Off top, the Cowboys defeated the Bills to win Super Bowl 27 in Pasadena, California. That game was supposed to be held in Arizona, but the NFL decided to move it because Arizona residents twice voted to reject Martin Luther King Day as an official holiday. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. What's up, Charlie? I think you knew that fact already. I I feel like if you've been around me, you've heard me yell that before at somebody about something. But I I think I normally frame it as the NFL using its leverage. And and like I remember using it a lot when we're talking about Kaepernick and people were like, get your politics out of my football. It's like, well, and kind of is always in there. But the one thing that I think gets missed kind of remembered is like the nfl was not trying to be noble and they were open about it at the time i think um tagliabu had a quote the commissioner at the time that said uh we should remove the game from political controversy and avoid being a target so long as uh so long as it is in arizona and the alleged controversy is unresolved people will reach out and use us as a target so he wasn't like a freedom fighter but whatever yeah I was t- I was 10 in 93. It's, it's kind of mind blowing to think like that's 1993. It was it was 90. It was 1990, I think, or 91 when they had the votes and yeah. that the league decided to move it because, you know, they can't move anything quickly. So it was a few years before the game. But the idea that in the early 90s, I, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised by this, but an entire state would just. I, I don't know that I, I would be so against having a paid day off <laughs> just to, like I hate you so much that I will like to I would rather go to work than celebrate an American hero. Hmm. I mean, that's insane, because according to the uh, history books at my, you know, <laughs> private schools by the time i was seven they had solved racism in 1997 <laughs> so, wow those four years must have been huge it's all tied up anyway speaking of that I, I listened to good goodell's um speaking of solving racism i listened to goodell's um state of the league kind of stuff his his uh q a and it was a lot about the accelerator program for coaches and and how diversity makes everybody stronger and I genuinely believe that Roger Goodell wishes that there was more diversity in the leadership. Uh, Like, I think he wants that because like, obviously it's progress. And I I think also in his defense, I think he does believe that the diversity makes the game better, but uh, he don't get to make those decisions. Right. And yeah, the the people who do need to get to make those decisions, but he, he was touting some things that I thought was interesting and, the success of the accelerator program and what was the other they have another initiative um oh i think is the advisory program but anyway they have some programs that he was trying to sell to us that were solving racism and were sustainable but whatever did uh um trotter went after him again you remember last year when uh jim trotter went after him because nfl media didn't have black people in leadership roles uh he did that last year and he went after him again this year about it and, and Roger didn't really like it pushing back and said, well, that's not my department. 
more more prepared this year is expecting it no no he was he was he, was, he said we he said the same thing that he said last year like we're gonna go look into that let's <laughs> let's let's we're gonna look into that and i'll get back to you jim <laughs> uh, honestly i feel like if you're unprepared to answer the question you got to go with the yeah we'll, we'll get back to you on that one it's really the only answer he he did he said that i i have reason not i have reason to believe but i'm paraphrasing here he kind of suggested that jim's stats from last year were off which like i was confused because if i remember co- correctly his stats were there's zero people in leadership at nfl media that are black there are zero black people in the newsroom that's a pretty easy stat like you can walk in and look around and check that stat out roger like it's not it's not a hard stat to I, th- I feel like it's a pretty hard stat to fabricate, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you fabricate that one. That one <laughs> I don't know. That one seems pretty obvious. I don't know. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. Yeah, well, well, anyway, we got football game coming up. That's going to be fun. That'll be fun and exciting. What you got? That one will be fun and exciting. The, yeah. the news pig that I saw today, which I thought was good with Andy Reid. I, first of all, I love Andy Reid. Um, he said that Patrick Mahomes can do pretty much everything in the playbook, which makes me much more excited about this game. I don't know about you, but I was actually getting a little bit worried the more I read and thought about it that the, the offensive line of the Eagles and the defensive line of the Eagles were going to control the line of scrimmage both ways, and that was going to make the game less fun. But you're telling on yourself. If Patrick is Superman... That could be fun. You you you're rooting for Patrick, and yeah, that's different. That's different from analysis. Who you think is going to win? Or I, I think we all like let some of our uh, personal like desires bleed into our analysis. It's why probably part of the reason why I don't bet because like I know better because <laughs> I I get swayed because it's a, I mean the game is the football is so like complex that there you can figure out a storyline that will make it so one team wins in a single elimination game, right. you know? So I, I think oftentimes, especially when there's a game like this, that I think our analytics at ESPN uh, last I checked had it at a coin toss. So might as well go with the outcome that you want and rather than uh, what your analysis suggests. Yeah. So the analysis for this game is pretty simple. We look at the rosters. We say the Eagles have a better team but the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. And then if you want to go at the Eagles a little bit, you say, ah, their schedule's been incredibly soft. Look at the quarterbacks they've played. And then if you want to pick the Chiefs, you say they have Patrick Mahomes. It's sort of as simple as that. It's, it's a hard Super Bowl to dig into the roster-based storylines and the styles other than the quarterbacks and the roster. Yeah. 
I mean, I guess uh, I, why football is always much more complex than it sounds. I think that one Super Bowl or uh, yeah, the one Super Bowl that Mahomes lost, it was very simple because the mismatch of offensive line versus defensive line of the Bucks was so obvious that there was not a scheme to beat it. But I think when the talent is like close, even if a, an opponent is better at a certain area, there are schemes to address the talent deficiency. So that's kind of also the story of the game. And you, you mentioned the two weeks off or two week lead up. And I, I think the instinct is to go with Andy Reed that benefits him more, but I actually think the Eagles coaches have been incredible this season so far. And they've been incredible in the course of individual games. So I I'm not sure. And Sirianni has been more aggressive on fourth downs. Andy Reed got, got some, some old school left in him and he can't shake it. He's got a combination of old school with the run aversion. It's a weird combo because normally old school guys want to want to pound the rock, but he's he's a little bit more cautious than you should be, especially when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. And also, I would say one of the areas or the only area that uh, the Eagles are weak in their pass defense is like the middle of the field. And yeah. I know Kelsey moves everywhere, but he's a tight end where he want to work preferably is in the middle of the field. So I guess that's that's what I mean is there's um, I don't necessarily mean that it's like confusing. Like I get you. I understand what you're saying, but I I could easily tell a story that makes it clear to me that one side or the other wins. And I'm no more compelled by either side, which is why I'm probably going to lean Mahomes ish. That's actually maybe that's it's really interesting though. How could Andy Reid be more aggressive with this roster with Mahomes? Because that's an that's an interesting fact. I feel I feel like his caution this year is the fact that they don't have Tiger Kill, they don't even have McCole Hardman, and he's throwing the ball to, you know, MVS and Juju Smith Schuster, who's basically another tight end, and Kelsey, who's amazing operating in the middle of the field. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's not about aggression down the field. Like you brought up the receivers. Okay. You don't have to be as aggressive down the field. If you don't have Tyreek Hill, that's obvious. I mean, aggressive and fourth down decisions. Okay. Uh, and over the course of an entire season, I, uh, if you had fourth and five, a bunch of times, I like the odds of Patrick Mahomes figuring that out more times than not. Um, and on the Eagles side, they're aggressive. And I think they're, partially aggressive because they have an answer their roster is so complete offensively is that they have an answer for just about any defense that you have they have the the matchup somewhere the matchup advantage and that's also because Jalen Hurts running ability but they're also aggressive and I, I would suggest they stay aggressive in this game in part because you're going against Patrick Mahomes and the best strategy for pa Patrick Mahomes is probably play well in the red zone <laughs> you know like right. uh, assuming that you're going to shut them down so like if you're backed up or you're at midfield go for it <laughs> go for it because the alternative i think is punished to patrick Mahomes. it's not that you can't stop him but there's also a good chance that he's going to get his team into the red zone and you're going to have to stop him anyway so why not like i guess this is the way i would look at it do you have more faith and if you say you're at the 50 yard line and you punt it, you get it to 15. Right. Do you have more faith that you can keep them from getting back to the 50 yard line over the, over the course of several plays? Or do you have more faith that you can convert a fourth and five? I kind of feel like 
Might as well try to convert this fourth and five. I feel like just this is total from the couch analysis. Yeah. They, they where I'm really, sitting right now. They, they, how much they missed Tyreek Hill doing that speed out on every right. fourth down. That was like the go, the, the unstoppable fourth down play. I mean, when you have Tyreek Hill, yeah, but I, I don't, and I would have to look to double check. I can do that for sure, but um, I'll do it at the end of the pod and, and let you know whether it's true or false. But I just feel like Andy Reid, my sense is Andy Reid has never been as aggressive on fourth downs in part because, like, I get it. You know, when you feel like you're better, you know, you're a better mm-hmm. team, it's like you, you think that the less talented team should take more risks. You know, like when you get into a big game, you want to get an upset. Like the more talented team is normally not the one that comes out with a trick play and a surprise on side. And I think Andy Reid's old school mentality is still like, well, fourth and five is like gimmicky. You know, yeah. like this is this is we don't need to do that. All right. Well, we'll get our first down the old fashioned way or we'll punt it away. And I'm not sure I agree that fourth and five is for the underdog. Yeah, and that's interesting. I, I mean, I, that makes sense to me over the course of a season when you have Patrick Mahomes because it's like mm-hmm. if you extend the sample, having the better player that can control the offense makes a lot of sense to be slightly more cautious. But I wonder if he will be less cautious in the small sample of the Super Bowl because right. yeah, there's no, you know. But they are the less talented team. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I think exactly. They're the less talented team. So, like, no matter how you slice it, I, I guess, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but I, I tend to lean in favor of aggression but again you're right that's i that's the bravado of sitting on the couch and my job is not on the line my (laughs) hopes and dreams my legacy is not riding on the conversion right there so i I, yeah i I can easily say you should do this you should and you should do that doesn't mean i actually would have the guts we'll say to do it in a real situation speaking of bravado is Nick Sirianni going to become annoying if they lose this game? You don't think he'd be more annoying if they won? No, no. I think yeah. we'll give him a pass because he'll have like uh, like a zombie army of Philly scumbags. At, at, <laughs> yeah, that are we like, could be annoyed at all of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, they're going to be eating horse poop off the sidewalk and like oh like sliding down greased telephone poles. That happened. Oh, yeah. I, I had forgotten about that. Not every time. The horse poop eating was new. Anytime Philly wins anything, horse poop gets eaten. Oh my gosh. I remember that was so disgusting and ridiculous. I don't understand. Who wins there? Like that. I think that guy won $20 in the bet, if I remember the video. $20? You won, I guess. Nick Foles won. Yeah, there has to be some bacteria that you could contract from that that is way more expensive to get rid of than $20. So it's Please, Philly fans, don't do that. You you got on a Philly green hoodie. I think you're biased. It's a it's a waffle fries hoodie, but yeah. I'm sorry, it's the color. It's Philly green. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, the I forgot what I was gonna say. It was something about uh, the aggressiveness. Of, oh, Sirianni. Sirianni. So, yeah. So the, what you imagine is Sirianni losing and him doing the watch the other team confetti and we'll be back. Super tough guy. Crazy obsessed. Is that what you imagine being annoying in the loss? And it's also yes, but also the fact that he has added so much histrionics to the sideline. Like he's leaned in on being a wrestling heel. And that's really only cool when your team is winning. It's going to be a lot less. I think it's going to be a lot less funny if he's just like sitting there all sad. 
<laughs> I don't know. I kind of want to see it now. Um, yeah, he, I don't think he can annoy me. I appreciate the characters. I like a good character. Uh, I'll what will happen to me if I understand myself fully is it will initially annoy me, and then mm -hmm. everyone else will get yeah. annoyed by it, and then I will reflexively be like, man, he's just having fun, or or not having fun in this case. He's just being himself, shows a personality, and then I will become a Sirianni uh truther. That's what's gonna happen to me. I already know the whole cycle, I know myself too well. It's sad. Can I predict my take then? Because I already have yeah. it planned out, which is that okay, good. Pe people are going to go at Sirianni and I'm going to I'm going to give the take. Guys, every football coach is weird. That's the <laughs> point of football coaches is to be weird. This is less weird than the other ones. They're so much less weird than they used to be. Like, I always think about Jerry Glanville. I know we talked about the NFL films yearbooks that we grew up watching in the 90s. Yeah. And I remember Jerry Glanville. Are you going to do you know what I'm going to say? The weird thing about Jerry Glanville? Okay, no. You might remember it when I when I tell you Jerry Glanville would leave a ticket at will call every game that he coached for Elvis Presley. Years after Elvis died, um, he would leave a ticket and will call for Elvis Presley because I, I don't know if you remember this either, but like there were. It was like a conspiracy theory, a pre-internet conspiracy theory that Elvis wasn't actually dead. I guess for for our age, it was more like Tupac's. Yeah, I was say, Tupac's are ours. Yeah. Um. Well, before that, it was Elvis. Um, wasn't actually dead, and Jerry Glanville thought that uh, an opportunity to watch his sorry ass Falcons play was gonna bring him out of hiding, and he's gonna be like, "Hey, oh, let me get that ticket." Oh, that's my that's my Elvis. Did that work for you? That's good. I thought so. I was pretty proud of that. Off the cuff, fake Elvis. It's because Elvis's whole bravado is stolen from. Black rock and rollers, anyway. So, fact. Happy February, everyone. Now, let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Should we make some picks before we move on to this, uh, move on from the Super Bowl? Sure. Why not? All right. I got a bunch of bets that we can go through. All right, let's do it. And then we can move, we'll move on to LeBron and Russell Westbrook, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I should have said that at the top of the show, huh? Like, that's like a, a good hosting thing is tell people what they have to look forward to. My bad. All right, first one I got for you. The line, Kansas City is our one and a half point underdogs in this game. But we can take the alternate spread of six extra points of Kansas City plus seven and a half. That's Minus 341, bet 341 to win 100. But I feel like that's a pretty safe bet that Kansas City's going to keep it within a touchdown. So we got to bet $341 to get 100 back, and it's that they'll keep with the touchdown. So, yeah, all right, I'm with it. I like it. All Let's right. do it. Get us a quick hundo right there. All right. Even if Patrick scores some garbage time touchdowns, they won't get blown out like they did last time. I feel very confident in that one. Next one, Jalen Hurts over 10 and a half rushing attempts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's high number, too. But, yeah. Last game of the season. Can't hold anything back now. We, we counting scrambles? And kneel downs. So if they get the ball to end the half, 
Or the quarter. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I like that. Or sneaks. They love a good sneak. A double cheek push. Yeah. The best, best cheek push team since uh, the Brady Pats. All right. So these are going swimmingly. The next one, Patrick Mahomes to have more touchdown passes than Jalen Hurts is only minus 125. I feel like that's a good bet. Good yeah. odds for that. I feel confident that he's going to have more TD passes, even if win or lose. Yeah, he's going to get those cheat t- TD passes, too, where it's like actually a running play. Yeah. Like those shovel passes and stuff. Yeah, I like that. Man, you're three for three right now. All right. And the, the other thing about that is that, yeah, to your point, they don't really run the ball at the goal line. Like Pacheco had that one that got called back against the Bengals. But other than that, like they're they really pass happy in the red zone. Um, Miles Sanders and Isaiah Pacheco to have 10 plus first quarter rushing yards each. That's a straight up bet. Jeez. Wow. That's both of them. Uh, so what do you think they get? Three attempts a piece on average in the first. This is the first quarter. The first quarter of the game, ten rushing yards each. Mm. I'm I'm assuming four drives in the first quarter, probably. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's harder than it sounds, but I I'll go with it. I like it. I mean, the both teams you would assume. Well, I mean, we know the Eagles are not great against the run, and the Eagles are also a great running team. So, yeah, this is a bet against the Eagles' rushing defense and on the Eagles' rushing offense. The problem is Jalen Hurts could steal a lot of Sanders' yards, and Pacheco is not the only running back that the Chiefs yeah. use. And Kenneth Gainwell, too, for the Eagles. So Yeah, that's right, Gainwell. All right, we'll do it just because it's our last game of the year. we got to get this money up. Yeah, can't hold anything back now. Um, last one. Uh, will either team score in the final three and a half minutes? And that's minus 170 for yes. I like it. Let's do it. Yes. We'll go five for five on your bets this week. Let's talk about basketball. We're going to make so much money. We're 32 and 28 on the year, by the way. Ooh. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Next, I got to call Jeff Saturday. Next year, we're going to put this like a pot of money that me and Dominique will split and we'll like actually it. post our results. Bet, bet real money. Well, this is news to me, but I'm, I'm down. Uh, are you gonna talk some hoops? Yeah, let's talk some hoops. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. LeBron's really good. Did you know that? He's really good. That's the end of my basketball analysis. Well, I got, I got something that, that struck me watching that. And this might, this might sound sappy. I've watched LeBron for most of my life. Obviously, yeah. and I think that like 
I, you know, the superlatives don't really do it justice, but a huge part of watching LeBron has sort of been like the video game quest, every single level of him. And he's always been chasing mm-hmm. something. I really think, think since 2007, when he made the finals as a 22 year old, he's been chasing Michael Jordan. He's yeah. been chasing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was actually cool watching last night that there was a chase that was over. Straight up over. To me, it felt like nice. the second time in his career since the when they won the championship in 2016, that it was just like, holy shit, this guy that we've been watching pursue greatness, it is not hypothetical. It's not up for debate. He broke an unbreakable record in sports. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a good way to put it. Um, and he's still not considered like, one of the greatest scorers or i mean that's one of the debates that's probably a waste of time having but it's funny to think about him when you think about any of the other greats you can boil them down to one specific skill or one specific move in kareem's case yeah uh, and the wild thing is um i was talking about this a bunch on get up today is like you could debate have a full debate about what LeBron's most valuable skill is. Like, you can't do that for any of these other greats. Like, it's obvious that Magic was a great passer. Jordan's mm-hmm. a great shooter. I mean, a great scorer. You know, like, Steph's a great shooter. All that stuff. And I guess you could be broader for somebody like KD. Is like, KD's an incredible... Um, he's incredibly incredible scorer for his size. Like, incredibly versatile for his size. Um, and, like, that's all of that for LeBron, <laughs> all of it. And then you throw into like his most historic play is actually a defensive play, a block on Iguodala. Like he's, it's awesome. And I think that's p- uh, part of the reason I think why I am picking and kind of rooting for Mahomes is seeing the end of uh, yeah, like Brady's career end and us coming to these final few milestones for LeBron. Just makes me know how, or it makes me appreciate, or makes me aware how much I appreciate greatness. Yeah, and how that's what we're all really here for. Like that's what we really all want, and like the numbers show it. We want to see something special, and the more like special things Mahomes can can start to pile up, the more the next one feels even more special. I. I totally agree. And the numbers absolutely bear that out. Three million people watched the Lakers play the Oklahoma City Thunder after midnight on the East Coast. So, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, to me, the other thing about LeBron, you point to his greatest skill. And to me, it's the mastery of an offense and decision making. And you're like, what does that mean on a basketball court? My guy is the greatest decision maker in the spread spread pick and roll ever. And he's won playoff series after playoff series in four titles by making every single decision for his team in an open concept outside of the structure of an offense. And we talk about the Steph Curry effect on basketball, and that is true. And it is beautiful that the game is more spaced out and everyone can shoot and the skill level is going up and up and up. The LeBron effect, people are like that's impossible to recreate because there aren't 6'9", 260-pound freaks of nature that with computer brains, but it's not impossible. It's give a tall guy that can see the basketball, let him make decisions, spread it out, and run the pick and roll. Every team from like 12-year-old AAU up is doing that, and that is the LeBron effect, and that's amazing because it's making basketball so much more palatable to watch and understand at every level. Agreed. Um, yeah, and the the... 
the thing that you said earlier about LeBron being uh, like feeling like he reached one of those kind of endpoints. He finally caught something that he was chasing. Uh, when I saw my, I was one of those people who stayed up to watch it. And even though I had to get up early the next morning, I, I wanted to watch it and seeing him like get emotional and teary eyed. So it, it doesn't feel like we often see authentic LeBron. Yeah. And we certainly don't see, I, I think the first championship we saw like some bit of like relief and contentment in LeBron and we don't see it. Otherwise, even when he's getting other championships, it always feels like he's all right. He's just putting another trophy on the mantle back to work, back to work. And it never feels like ah, the job is done or, you know, and it, it felt like yeah. obviously his career is not over, but this and reminds me of that first championship, I guess that down three, one championship, those were a few times in his impressive, incredible career where you can like feel and sense like a, what feels like a genuine expression of like, damn, I, I did it. This is amazing. And that was kind of cool to see. I thought it was really cool. And that's like, he's been so guarded. He did such a good job of manicuring his image over 20 years that like you rarely get cool, fun LeBron. Like we've had, we had young fun LeBron. We had dad LeBron. We've had, you know, social leader LeBron. But all of those are pretty manicured. With the don't remember, you, don't, you can't forget villain LeBron. Villain LeBron. In Miami. All of those are pretty manicured a, 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 apart from like a one too many emoji tweet here and there. Um, but like, yeah, to your point, when he actually talks like a human being and we get to see why teammates like him and stuff, it's like, that's pretty cool. Also, I do wish they had celebrated Kareem a little bit more, but it was very nice. I, I read his Substack essay today, and I I love I love Kareem. And I I'm not shocked that he handled this with more grace than anyone ever, but he he did per usual. You said all his teammates like him. Talking about LeBron, one teammate may not love him that much anymore. Um, before we get to the the fake trade that actually became a real trade, mm -hmm. um. Is there anything from the Kareem Substack that I, I mean, I didn't read it. Uh, I suspect most people didn't. Is there something specific or is it just a general vibe from the Substack that you thought was? He just, um, uh, you know, he basically dethought a little bit of the iciness between him and LeBron over comments mm -hmm. and said that he treated him the way that he would treat someone he respects, essentially, which is right. you treat them honestly and treat them like a teammate. And that he also is like, I don't have a, a relationship with LeBron and looking back, that's my fault and a mistake. He's like, this is someone who faced a lot of the pressures from day one that I faced and probably could have used guidance from an older person. And it doesn't seem like he received that from a ton of NBA greats. And so that, that part of the relationship not developing is something I regret. Um, and I was like, of course, Kareem thought about that in the most thoughtful way possible at this point. Granted, he's, he said he's known this day is coming for a while, but it's just, you know, he's incredibly classy individual. Yeah. All right. So Russell Westbrook is going to Utah. Maybe he doesn't even have to go there, but he got traded there. Um, Conley is going to Minnesota. Um, and uh, um, what's his name? Uh, D'Angelo Russell is going to L.A. So what's your takeaway on this big NBA trade deadline maneuver. <laughs> so, I mean, we let, we can start with the Lakers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, like the the Darvin Ham and Russell Westbrook apparently had some 
on court beef because Russell didn't come off the because Westbrook didn't come off the court quickly enough when he was trying to sub him out. Well, um, there, was, that's, there was that's there was bizarre stuff happening with yeah. Westbrook and Davis during that game. Obviously, there was yeah. a shot of Davis looking very sad on the sideline, and then him in the locker room next to LeBron, just like quietly leaving while Bronny was celebrating with LeBron. But on the Westbrook yeah. part, he genuinely seemed. I don't want to get into his head. He genuinely seemed like he didn't care at all about LeBron's record. He's like, I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to get my shots up tonight, period. And 19 shots. Uh, yeah. yeah. Six turnovers, 19 shots. Um, the Lakers got a lot better in this trade. It's not Kyrie Irving. It's not instant offense, but Malik Beasley is an incredibly athletic two guard. Jared Vanderbilt is an awesome defender and an awesome rebounder. They've been an atrocious rebounding team and an atrocious defensive team. And D'Angelo Russell for a lot of teams cannot be a lead guard because he can't get a foot in the paint and he can't pressure the rim. That is not nearly as big of an issue when you're playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who put a ton of pressure on the front of the rim. He has shot over 39% on more than 350 attempts from three this season, um, which is I think sixth in the league with that many, at that attempt threshold. Um, so the shooting got a lot better, him and Beasley and uh, Reeves coming back do that. My guess is they should trade their other first round pick if they can get a Bogdanovich, any Bogdanovich. Um, that would be another way to put it over the top. As far as for Russ, man, I, I think you feel the same way. I'm kind of sad. This is the most athletic player we've ever seen. And it sucks he's for it to end like this or to yeah. feel like it's ending like this. He he had that. Um, we started to see the end before, and then he kind of bounced back in Houston when they put him at the five. And then he had some rejuvenation in Washington where he was like the old man catalyst. And then, like, it felt like we're getting to a point where he could end his career in a way that was like, I don't know, respect a little bit more celebrated, I guess. And it's certainly not looking that way now where he's going to be a buyout guy and i guess no yeah. no one's going to want him no competitor i feel like is going to want to add him the rumor is the clippers the clippers yeah i heard that which i don't get that it's just like what would a tiny a tiny part of you wouldn't you want the clip would you root for the clippers to win the title <laughs> i mean it'd be fun for us but yeah i i, I don't see if they win the titles he's not going to be a huge yeah. part of it this is a weird trade for, I mean, Utah got this pick. It's top four protected. You expected mm -hmm. Danny Ainge to get more taking on this contract to buy out. He can't fleece everybody. The one thing I'll say about, about the Russ thing, and I want to get this on the books. He was awesome at basketball. That's gotten completely yeah. obscured by the three-point yeah. revolution. Like mm -hmm. that dude's a freak. And he was, he was not like tragically inefficient early in his career. And this happens to everyone except for LeBron. So if I'm you don't know, you got that on the books. It's on the books, everyone. Books. Get it on the books. You, there's so many articles about how he's not actually good at basketball. He was awesome at basketball. Uh, you read too much. Uh, all right. Well, um, I appreciate it, Charlie. My daughter's here now. About to watch Abbott Elementary. Um, appreciate you, Sarah Abbott, Addie Khan, and of course, Christina Buswell. All right. Hopefully we're right about the Super Bowl. Either way, see you guys next week. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.